What you're about to listen to was originally broadcast on 98.5 Sunshine FM, Perth, Western Australia. For details, go to the website 98five.com. are on Sunshine's Table Talk with Leah and I have Sally Hewitt with me to talk all sorts of wonderful things. Welcome, Sally. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to have you back. I know you were with uh, Table Talk last year doing some exciting uh, bits and pieces and you're going to be again with us hopefully all year and at least for this term for the most part. Um, But what I wanted to chat to you today was about uh, sort of COVID. We've come out of this sort of wave and while, you know, things are still happening and it's it's getting a little bit more back to normal or the new normal, even though everyone doesn't like necessarily using that terminology anymore. But I suppose I wanted to to first reflect um, and take that opportunity at the start of the year and start of um, Table Talk for the year to look back at what the last uh, sort of three years, two years has been like for you personally and also um, collectively for people coming through COVID and and dealing with things like a lot of loss and um, not just in terms of loved ones but also in terms of career or where you have to live and all that stuff as well. So I'd love to start there. Um, and yeah, see what your what has your experience been over the, over the last couple of, of years with COVID? Well, probably for me personally, um, I was most affected because my immediate family and my mother is still alive okay. at eighty seven, and she is in the UK. Oh. So I only uh, I'm here with my children. Obviously, mm. I've got a, a huge network of friends, but that was the biggest thing for me. Yep. And and I was able to go back last year Mm. and I that was the first time I saw her in four years Mm. and um when I when I actually told her when when our borders in WA opened and I told her that I had bought a ticket and was coming Mm. uh, we FaceTime and she just burst into tears because I honestly think she thought she wasn't going to see me again yes yeah um and one of the massive things that I really noticed going to the UK mm. is it made me actually appreciate even more just how fortunate we were in WA. Yes, Because yeah. um, they were deeply affected over Absolutely. there. And most people that I met and even people um, that I saw, reporters on television mm. or show hosts, they had difficulty talking about the previous Yes, experience without tearing up. Yeah, so it had it had really affected them yeah, deeply. Wow. So that made me personally recognise how fortunate we actually had been here yes. in WA. Absolutely, it's quite fascinating, really, because I um, did some of my my. It's like I've done sort of a jail term, but <laughs> I did some of my time over in uh, Sydney. So I was living there uh, for a while when um, COVID first sort of broke out and was everywhere. So I had um, lockdown, the first lockdown I was over in the East Coast. So I had that kind of um, experience in the, in the different way. And then um, then I moved back to Perth in twenty. 20- 21. <laughs> Time is going too fast. Um, and then so experience what it was like um, over this side of the country. And it has been so fascinating and, and, and watching how people sort of interact with the news and could go about their lives here that we weren't able or didn't have the luxury to do um, in the eastern states because of the way that, you know, the, the state yes. is set up and, and all of that kind of stuff with the infrastructure and logistics and all that. We just have very different – you can't treat them the same. But it is really fascinating and, and – um, I suppose this makes sense as well with your work at Aging Gratefully, like why you probably have that mindset of why, you know, it's so grateful to be in WA and have had that experience. Um, But it certainly, 
yeah, it was a it was a rough time for I think a lot of people. And um, did you experience a lot of um, loneliness or any sort of things like that during that time? Personally, I know that I did, but did you struggle with any of those um, sorts of things? I guess the the thing is, I am uh, I'm quite used to being mm. um, on my own. Yeah, and sure. I'm also I was very fortunate because my daughter was at home at that time. Now, even though she um, was working in the city. She's actually yes. a teacher. Okay. So it was actually, it, that was interesting mm. in the fact that she only went online for probably about two weeks or something. Oh, okay. And her school um, in the city, they were, they, you know, they were open for business. Oh. So she oh. was going into the city every day. And so I, I sort of got, um, an inkling of what the city was like through her right. eyes. Yeah, and that was an interesting experience yeah. because, of course, there were no office workers. No. So it went from being, you know, quite vibrant yeah, to... ghost town. Yes, yeah. it, it actually was. Um, and, you know, she said it, there was really... There weren't, there weren't very many other people yes. going, into the, going into the city and yeah, out again. Right. So... Um, and I think because of the, the nature of how it was in WA, mm. um, I, you know, we were still able to have our little, uh, you know, we had our little radius. Mm. So, And I'm very fortunate in where I live. Yes, I live in okay. a, quite a, a super community where if, you're at, if you just even go out to walk your dog, I'm in Scarborough, so yeah, you, okay. you walk down to Scarborough and there's just... There people are people everywhere. around. Yes, you, yes. Don't, you can still feel connected. So even connected. though you had to be socially distanced, yes. you were You're still... You're okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Right. So I was very fortunate. Well, we're going to keep talking about uh, all things um, loneliness, grief, COVID, and then obviously the exciting future that is ahead um, coming up shortly. So make sure you stick around for Sally Hewitt. I wanted to jump back into some really interesting uh, stats that have come out of the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare. In a report, they have um, listed that uh, just after the respondents... I'm going to start that again because that information didn't sound didn't right. 54% of respondents reported that they felt more lonely since the start of the pandemic. Pandemic. I've lost. I've lost my mouth. I can't even talk anymore. I'm so sorry. Um, but that is huge. That that number. And I mean, uh, and you've read some information as well, Sally. That talks about yes. how uh, loneliness was already so prevalent absolutely. even prior. Is that correct? Absolutely. In um, I subscribe to the Global Wellness Institute, and they mm. are leading researchers in all things around well-being. Mm. And in the report that I had from them um, from 2019, mm. um, they um, stated that there was a global growing awareness of the rise in loneliness and its associated mental health issues with an estimated 1.1 billion cases wow. of reported mental health um, disorders and the yeah. and rise in loneliness and social isolation yeah, right. and then you're you know you're you're talking about the that high percentage yeah after um, the yes, pandemic so yeah. that is that's a big number it is really huge and the amount of people that you talk to when you're out and about like I feel loneliness and feeling disconnected and not feeling like we have a community anymore there's so many ways that we do our society that just 
feeds into this loneliness and this disconnection. And then especially if you go through things like, so obviously COVID is one thing, but then if you're in a normal lifespan when you've got, yeah, changing careers, then you've got um, going into the different age gaps and, and, and dealing with the grief of, okay, now I'm, you know, in my 30s, what does that mean? Now I'm in my 40s or 50s, what does that mean? Now I'm meant to be retired, but how do I find my purpose in retirement? There's so many little iterations of grief that we don't give ourselves a lot of time for as a culture. And I think I know something that you're passionate about as well is helping people transition through that time and really overcome those that, that period of grief, of loneliness and isolation. And something that you mentioned earlier as well is the difference of between social isolation and loneliness. Can you just uh, sort of talk through that point of difference there yes, for me as well? because it is really important. Mm. And actually um, the Australian Institute of Health and Wellbeing, whom you mentioned before, mm. they... Um, they state that they would say that social isolation is the state of having minimal contact with others, Mm. while loneliness is the state of negative feelings about having lower uh, levels of social contact than desired. But what's really interesting about this Mm. is that a person Mm. could be socially isolated but not actually lonely. Yes, wow. But somebody could also be socially connected but feel lonely. So what that tells me is that it's the quality of your connection Mm. and the people around you and your relationships that sort of outweigh the quantity. Absolutely. And I know personally I relate to that so much. My experience um, over the initial part of COVID and the few years before was the strong, like I was surrounded by a lot of people, a lot of um, good, wonderful people, uh, a caring partner, all of that sort of thing. But I was struggling so much with loneliness and I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what it felt like. I didn't know how to recognize it because I'm like, well, no, I've got, I've got a partner. I've got um, these wonderful friends. I've got family that contact me. Why am I still feeling lonely? I shouldn't feel like this. And so I think we often put so many layers of pressure on ourselves, especially when we do have, you know, what we think we're ticking the boxes but yet then we're still struggling with these feelings. Yes. And uh, I'm not sure if you've had a similar experience or, or you've come across people who are, have a similar Definitely. experience. Definitely. Yeah. And I think, um, I think there's always the danger also of looking at your situation at, and, as you just said, ticking, feeling like you tick these boxes mm. so you shouldn't be feeling lonely. Mm. And as soon as, as, soon as we um, start thinking that way, we shouldn't yes. feel a particular oh. way. Oh my goodness, that really then opens up a whole new can of worms and really puts even more pressure Mm. on ourselves because then we layer it with guilt about feeling that way when we feel we shouldn't feel that way. And, um, And everything... Every emotion and every feeling that we had is va- have uh, you know is valid, mm. and um, and we we really need to allow ourselves yes. to feel into it. But a lot of the times, I think we get a little bit frightened by it as well. Oh, absolutely. And mm. I think it's um it's interesting because that word should. I think especially if you come from a faith background, there's a lot of things that we get taught is of oh, you know I, sh- I should be like this. I should be like I should be able to st- to be at a certain standard. That's that's not real life. That's not how it works, unfortunately. No. Um, and we need to get better in faith communities and communities in general, and and just as a human race, at being like there are no shoulds, there are no, you know, expectations. You just need to show up how you are, and if and if you're feeling lonely. You know, what What can you do about it? What can you do to yes. fix it? So, And that's what we're actually going to talk about when yes. we come back uh, from this short little break. 
And now I want to look to the future. We are at the start of 2023. There's a lot of optimism. Hopefully there's a lot of hope for the year of um, that it might be a little bit different and it will play out differently. But if we, the best way, I suppose, that we can make sure we are tackling a lot of, you know, whether it, it is grief, sadness, loneliness, is to have some tools under our tool belt. And so I guess I just wanted to talk generally about the things that have helped you, the things that maybe you share um, as a mentor in your role at Aging Gratefully. Um, what kind of things, yeah, you encourage other women to do and people to do in general. Um, is there anything that sort of stands out as, as top tips? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, obviously, first of all, um, for people that actually really need to seek professional counselling, yes, I would always advise that first. Yeah, okay. Always. Um, but the, the first thing, the first point is really getting to a place of recognising that um, you have this grief around mm. feeling lonely or mm. the fact that life isn't maybe turning out as you'd anticipated yeah. and the last three years have stripped, taken uh, things from you in the mm. last, you know, in this time and actually not being afraid to look at that mm. and reflect, reflect it mm. um, because we can't just brush things under the carpet. Exactly. It is very dangerous to do so yep. because um, it, it starts to really bed down and becomes what we call complicated grief. Right. And, then, and you, you are never able to box grief up and, and yeah, pop it away. Right. It, just, it just lays low until yeah. it, it can, um, you know, explode out of the blocks type of thing. Yes. So... My what I have found personally, journaling is extremely mm, helpful. Now I, I know a lot journaling. of people talk about journaling, <laughs> yes. but honestly, getting things out of your head and mm. onto the paper, it stops the rumination. Yes, because what we tend to do is we go around and around, and things that may have happened, how we would like things to have been different, yeah. how we would have liked them to have been better, and we just we just replay and yes. replay it in our heads yeah. so just get, get it down on the it it does and mm. um it's really not helpful so get it down on some paper nobody has to see it yes it's for your eyes only mm. and um it it already um by getting it out of your head and and being able to see it visually yes it shifts already absolutely and um it is moving into this place of being able to accept that something happened yeah and sometimes that requires us to um forgive ourselves for something Mm, or forgive a a circumstance or um and that's what we want to work Mm, towards as well and those are really strong foundations then to just start powering forward yeah and and when you read when i have found that when i've reached that place i can look at whatever situation or circumstance that it was and mm. I I I call it going looking at it through a gratitude lens yeah. and taking a grateful heart to it. Yeah, great. Um and what I'm able to see in hindsight is what I can extract from it. Yeah, okay. The big thing is never ever let sorrow take you down. Yes. You know, like it's like a town that's to be moved through. Yeah. You don't... You don't, don't live there. You don't live there. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. You, um, and, and as you move through it, mm. we, we see what we can take with it. Absolutely. And what we can extract from it then can help to shift the way we view it mm. in hindsight. Mm. And that gives us a strong foundation moving forward. Yeah. 
<clears throat> and I also really like, and I have this myself at home, a really simple uh, list of what brings me joy. Yeah, wonderful. <clears throat> what I'm grateful for. Mm. And a lot of the time, you know, it's it's really simple. Yes, yes. And, um, and to go to that list. Mm. And the other thing that I know I've spoken about before but is really powerful for me is the way that God has always been faithful. Mm. And I have... I have that written down as well so that when I'm in a place where I feel like I'm a bit lost mm. and maybe I'm out there floundering and yes. I am feeling a bit lonely, yeah. it's there in black and white for me to read and remind yes. myself yeah. that he's always been faithful, that I have all this joy in mm. my life in these, these areas that appear so small that are actually the really big things in life and for that I can be really grateful. Yeah, wonderful. It's quite powerful really when you uh, look back. I know that I've done that um, at the end of each year. I like to write down everything that sort of happened in the year um, that was unexpected or or wonderful or whatever it may be. And and when you have them all in one sort of little list, you're like, oh, this actually was quite good. There was some like not too bad things. And even the other thing that I love to do is – when I when we had our little chat, when I introduced myself to you uh, last week, I was talking about the moment where in the morning I love to have my cup of coffee and I sit and I'm in the stillness and I just look at my favourite tree and I look at all of the the colours and the way that the breeze comes through the window and it you know you feel it on your skin and and really that practice of being so present and where yes. you are in that moment and that's hard work like all of these things we say we say lightly. But it is hard work. They are. It's hard to still your mind and to look at those sorts of things. Um, And we're going to keep chatting about this. We've got to have a quick song. But, um, yeah, we're going to keep talking about this in a minute. So don't go anywhere. When When you first start to journal and you first start to reflect on on these feelings of loneliness or grief or whatever it may be that has occurred to you, it's it's amazing because you think it's just an inkling and you think, oh, I think there's just this thing. And sometimes, and sometimes it can be so scary, scary to then look, look in the mirror and as you, as you as write, you really are looking deep into your soul. And, and then you think, oh, my goodness, there might be a really dark, large chasm here. And that is scary and it is hard. And we definitely don't want to give any inkling that this stuff is not difficult. Because it, it is it's so difficult to process. It is difficult. And being... You know, being intentional and making the decision um, is also hard. It really is. I don't know what it is in our human psyche, but we we seem to we we see, it seems to be easier for us to just let things wash over. The the the, the problem is that. Once we slip into, it actually is a victim mentality. Yes. Yeah, we don't like to use that particular phrase because I know it's, it's got huge negative connotations. Yes. Yes. But um, when we live unconsciously and without intentionality, we, it's very easy for us to blame life or somebody else or, or a circumstance for the situation that we find ourselves in. Yeah. And, you know, when I, um, in grief recovery, we, we encourage our clients to at least try and find 10, just a, a t- even 1% responsibility. Yes. Because as soon as you take any tiny point of responsibility, mm. 
you immediately put yourself back into the driver's seat. And then you start making decisions that will support you and um, and it... If they'll still be difficult, but course, you'll, yeah. you'll feel more like you are back in the driver's seat. Isn't that a big part of it, though, as well, that feeling of, okay, I can do something. I can, even if you're, if you're really struggling with a lot of anxiety or depression, and, and that, those feelings can be so overwhelming that you think, I can't even wash the dishes, I can't even get up out of bed, but if you can then shift just that tiny bit to get that one small amount of energy to get the cake. I'm going to. I'm going to be in the driving seat. I can do just a little bit. It, it is quite life changing. And it, it, if you haven't gone through anything like that, I think sometimes it can think. You can think, oh, how is that tiny amount going to help? But it's. Oh, you can get a lot done with one percent. Absolutely, absolutely, and also. You know, if you decide to do one tiny little thing, and it, that could be just stepping out of your back door and just feeling the sun on your face, yeah, feeling the, the breeze, as you said, you know, that's beautiful. You have actually taken yourself out there and you have done, you've, you've had movement. And as soon as you have that sort of movement, that small amount, that shows you that you've been able to do that. And then it's the next little thing and all we have to do, and that's what really about being present also is about, it's, it's, it's that one little thing in the present yeah. moment. Exactly. And, um, uh, and, and they, they accumulate. Yeah, exactly. And then you're suddenly able to look back and in the past 10 minutes, you know, maybe you've done a couple of little things. And then that's when you must acknowledge that for yourself because it's really easy for us and as you said earlier also that you like to reflect on your year sometimes we get to the end and we just think about all the stuff that went wrong that we didn't enjoy that we wish hadn't happened and when we um, make the effort to actually reflect and, and jot things down we can see in black and white that actually there were all these other amazing times as well it's funny how we always remember the um, bad things not the good things but there are still good things and um, it just you have to sometimes work a little bit harder to find them um, but I love that sort of that way of, of going about things to just find the one percent of, of ownership and responsibility so that then you can go okay I'm going to just go to my backyard and you know be in the sunshine and there's a wonderful quote that I love to um, say a lot and it got me through some really heavy uh, times of grief that I've been through and that is how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time and honestly that if you just keep that in your mind one foot in front of the other you'll get to the end yeah you get to the end of 2023 and you'll be able to look back and be like wow okay that was better than the year before. I'm better than the year before, and and we're moving forward. And there's and I've processed, and I'm no longer feeling like my world is spinning out of control. And, and hopefully, yeah, they're able to process some of that grief and, and even move past some of that loneliness and make connections that are connections, yes. rich and everything. Yes. Um, and I'm sad because we've run out of time already. This has been such a wonderful conversation. And um, the good news is that you're going to come back. I 
hope so. Yes, you are. <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to be um, launching our uh, Sunshine Table Talk podcast as well um, as the term goes on. So keep your eyes out for that because uh, Sally will be joining us for that. And we're going to be at a deep dive into more topics that she has just such a wealth of knowledge um, and such a beautiful heart that she can speak into. And I know that she's going to absolutely bless so many of you when she speaks on um, the podcast, as she already has done to me and being in the studio with me today. So thank you so much, uh, Sally, for joining us this morning. And um, thank you, everyone, if you've been listening and enjoyed her. If you ever have any questions for Sally or for content that we do um, for her for the show, please make sure you text in um, and we can do a topic with Sally on something that you guys want to hear because we want to make sure that we're doing a show that you enjoy. For more details on this and other programs, contact 98.5 Sunshine FM, Perth, Western Australia or visit the website 98five.com.